Welcome to Loaded and Rolling. I'm your host, Thomas Wasson, and today we're going to discuss two topics from my recent newsletter and then talk with my guest, Brian Runnels, Vice President of Safety for Reliance Partners, about training and compliance in trucking and also get his take on some recent trucking stories. So let's dive right in. Uh, the first topic we're going to knock out is from my newsletter, Loaded and Rolling. Uh, check it out bi-weekly. It talks about the capacity crunch. So what we're seeing right now, especially with the holidays, more competition for carriers. It's causing more costs, but there are more opportunities. So if you want to go over it, continued demand and limited trucking supply. Uh, it's allowing carriers to be very selective on loads. Traditionally, carriers don't get very selective on loads until uh, you get in a position of buying power. We're seeing quite a bit of competition among shippers just trying to get a truck. So higher rates are no longer guaranteeing service in this environment. And so what does it become? How do you become a shipper of choice? And how do you basically set yourself up to actually get your freight picked up? Or there's a few real quick ones. Talk about dwell times at facilities. How long are you waiting? Are your drivers waiting three to four hours just to get loaded? You know, is your internal supply chain messed up? Having that kills the day for a driver, and it also makes sure that your, your freight, you're going to have problems with service levels. So we look at the dwell times, we look at detention. If you have a trailer pull and your trailers are basically being held up for seven days, you know, this causes problems down the line. Billing and invoicing. Net 25, net 30, everyone loves to get paid in a timely manner. If it takes 90 to 120 days, you're going to have a bad time. Uh, from my experience as well, if it takes that long to pay, carriers thinking maybe something wrong or maybe they're not going to get paid. There's always a concern. You just don't want to add that in. And then finally, one of the biggest ones that I've seen firsthand, on-site parking. Does your facilities have actually restrooms and you know the ability for them to actually get out of the truck? I know with COVID, it's a, it's a very big challenge and people have been shutting down restrooms or not allowing them. But you, know, you have to think, if these guys are waiting four or five hours to get loaded, uh, they, they need something. You know, a few of these things are going to be very important, uh, evaluating your own supply chain to see, like, am I making it as attractive as possible? Am I allowing overnight parking? You know, are we setting up our carrier partners for success? And then the second topic, we've got record earnings for trucking and transportation companies are causing mergers and acquisitions. We're seeing a buying spree right now. These companies are flush with cash uh, after multiple quarters. And then basically, it's data from PwC, which does auditing and consulting, reported that the value of these deals has increased 84% year over year. And so you know, why is this happening? Well, we're in an environment right now with low interest rates. So investors are looking and they're going to invest even if the earnings are higher than normal in terms of how attractive this, this uh, stock is or equity. Uh, E-commerce. We're seeing demand soaring during the pandemic. Everyone is ordering and it's fueling this growth in technology and automation. Basically, consumer spending is what's still causing this huge amount of demand. Uh, we're seeing a higher amount, it, it inverse between goods and services. Prior to the pandemic, quite a bit on services. Now we have spending focused on goods and those goods directly translate into freight orders. And then finally, the mergers and acquisitions are the buying spree of companies. Uh, a fun concept I like is called value arbitrage. So let's say that I'm a company, I have extra money because I've had record quarters and my margins are a lot higher. Uh, let's say they're priced at $10 a share. Well, I know they're probably worth 15 bucks a share. So if I buy that company, incorporate them in, I could potentially make $5 a share 
an added value kind of unrealized just because of how the marketplace has priced it. So there's so many factors right now. Keep an eye on this topic. It's definitely going to be something we're going to see moving into 2022. Record high rates and margins are going to cause more mergers and acquisitions. But it also just depends on the company, as evident by Central Freight Lines uh, failing to find a partner for purchase. So we'd like to welcome today, moving forward, my guest, uh, Mr. Brian Runnels, VP of Safety for Reliance Partners. A uh, little quick brief background. He's also a member of the Board of Directors, the Next Generation and Trucking Association. And he's had over 30 years in the industry, 20 years of that starting as a driver. You know, he's been in the trenches working up through safety and compliance. He became an expert in risk management, a consultant, an engineer. He developed from scratch a training program for driving schools in the companies he's worked with, and as well as moving up within Reliance, uh, becoming a director and now the vice president. Brian, welcome to the show, sir. Thanks, Thomas. Great, great to be here. Well, I'm happy to have you on. I know there, there's quite a lot to talk about, especially with recent, recent news. Uh, the, the biggest one that comes to mind, what are your thoughts about this 110-year sentence for a driver convicted of a deadly cl- crash in Colorado? Uh, brief background, you know, the driver, the truck had lost brakes. It rammed into stopped traffic, 28-vehicle pileup, four killed, six wounded. Um, what, what are your thoughts, given your experiences, uh, on, on what's going on here? You know, it, it, there's a couple things that are at play here that I think the devil's in the details. And I don't know if we know some of the serious details that went into uh, this leading to, to such a horrific accident. Um, you know, first of all, the, the, the loss of life due to a preventable accident is, is horrible. And that, that's what we have here. This is totally preventable. Um, then there's a matter of fault. Is it all the driver's fault? Is there some fault? on the company he works for is there fault on you know how he was trained or where he was trained and you know is there fault in his driving driving techniques and you know from what i understand he he was a guy that was a flatland runner for the most part and he got up into these mountains and and really didn't know what he was doing and and quite honestly i'm surprised that this doesn't happen more um there's a lot of people that are driving trucks now that don't know how to find things on a map. I know because I've trained them Um, or they don't, they don't, they have never been out of the state or region that they live in. And when you get out there, it's a whole nother world. So, you know, details like I do know from what I, from what I've heard, he did report a brake issue uh, the day before the wreck. And my question, but I don't know what the brake issue was. I don't think I ever heard that. Uh, we don't think it was an air loss issue because when you have air loss, it gets down to a certain point and then things lock up. Um, was it an issue that he's used to running a different terrain now that he gets up in the mountains? The brakes are going to act differently if you're rolling 65, 70 mile an hour down a hill versus 75 miles an hour on flat ground, uh, pulling all pulling that kind of weight. Lumber's heavy. Uh, he was probably grossed out. So... You know, it's details like that that we don't know. Did he panic coming down any of these hills and and did the cardinal sin trying to downshift when he's already rolling down a hill? That's nearly impossible to do on a manual transmission when you've got some speed to it. It's you, it's, you just can't do it. So, and at that point, 
if the truck was equipped with jake brakes once that truck's in neutral the jake brakes don't work anymore so you know there's all those things that i'd love to know the answer to we know the obvious ones you know he, he rolled by the runaway ramp uh one or two of them never ditched the truck you know never never took any sort of evasive action uh other than just just crashing in crashing into other people uh, as far as the sentence goes you know the 110 years that the judge gave him the minimum on each count that he was allowed to give him and you know i know that there's a petition out there and then i know that the da and the the families of the victims have asked to relook at this to lower it but what if the judge had gone out there immediately and gave him a 20-year sentence can you imagine the outcry from the um the safety organ you know the the transportation safety organizations and stuff that are out there that have done all sorts of um protests and things like that against truckers trucking companies and and jurisdictions giving lenient sentences to truckers and stuff like that they'd been all over him so he was kind of in a no-win situation there anyway but it'll be very curious to see what the outcome of this this next step is because is that going to have a trickle-down effect not only within the state of colorado uh but you know on some on higher levels and i, I think you brought up quite a few really amazing points uh just to just to kind of parse through them the first one like you said pre-trip inspection the day prior noted issue with the brakes uh, when you're going in places like Colorado, depending upon wherever you're coming from, there's a few thousand feet change in elevation just to even begin. So there's going to be impacts on not only your tires, your patterns of driving, but also the terrain. And so that's such, an, that's such a big point when we talk about a DOT or it's a preventable accident that there's been this 24-hour heads up, hey, there's something wrong, I should get this checked. And then also your other comments about how difficult it is with the new generation of drivers. How, you know, I've experienced this firsthand where I've been giving turn-by-turn directions because, you know, they have three GPSs up or they have two or four or the ELD is telling them to drive this way. You know, mega carriers or large trucking carriers, some of the drivers would only say, oh, I just go by the driver tech or I go by the, you know, uh, whichever one is plugged in. So, you know, how hard is it from your experience to actually like get these guys into the habits where they say, oh, I just reported a problem with my brakes. I may need to like look into this. I may need to call or run this up and say, hey, this could affect my route. Well, I think it needs to be very specific on what, what you're experiencing. Um, you know, what is the problem? And like I said, it, stopping on one sort of train is completely different than stopping on some of those mountains. And if that's what he was experiencing, just the difference in the two, really there wasn't a brake issue, if that was the case. Um, the, the issue is you need to slow down. You need to uh, you know, come off the top of those hills at the right speed and the right gear uh, using the right equipment if the truck's equipped with, with Jake brakes. And you know, if you're in the right gear going the right speed with, with operable Jake brakes, hills aren't that difficult. Um, you know, I, I've seen some people say it, it's hard enough to stop a truck, um, on flatland than it is on a hit, you know, and then you add a hill and you add all this stuff to it. It's, if you're doing things right, it's not that hard. Um, and that's where I have such a, I guess a hard time deciphering, okay, is 110 years too much? Um, 
I don't know, but I also think that there's blame to go around in other places. If it was a situation where he couldn't read the sign, you know, we I've heard that. He didn't understand what that sign meant as far as the runaway ramp. Um, how did he pass his test? And and I think in in this in some states you're allowed to use assistance in the way of an interpreter to take the take the test. Um, even though that goes against the FMCSA regs as far as being having to be able to understand and, and communicate English in an effective manner to, to understand rules and regulations of, of a roadside inspection, I don't think you need that to pass a test in the beginning. That's a very, um, that's amazing Was there point. threats? From, yeah, and you know, and unfortunately drivers that get put in this position, um, they may be working for some non-ethical trucking companies. Now, I'm not saying that that's what happened in this case, but I've heard stories of, you know, threats and, and things like that. If you don't do this load, you know, you can walk home and, you know, there's a whole bunch of th- a whole bunch of things there that we don't know. And if the threats are bad enough, we'll never know because that driver won't squeal. Yeah. So, uh, you know, what, was there some of that going on too? We don't know. Like a form of coercion. I, and I know even in my experience as a fleet manager, you know, certain, the company culture, there's a culture of not only how you treat your drivers, but there's this culture of safety as well. And like you said, if this is a situation where the company can also play a part in it because of their not setting their drivers up for success, they're putting these guys in places where they haven't driven or they're, you know, maybe not really trained to do it. Uh, there's been many instances where some drivers either explicitly told that you have to run this load or so help me, or implicitly implied that if you don't do that, then there's something worse down the line. That, that's just such a tough situation to be in as a driver, especially uh, going into places like Colorado. It, it's, it just feels like a no-win scenario, like you said earlier, especially regarding, you know, is the, the sentencing. You said it was the minimum for each count. And, you know, what is enough? Like, like you said, you give them 20 or 30, there's some folks in the streets. You give them 110, and we see on TikTok and other places some other protests. It's just like a no-win scenario, it feels like. Yeah, there, there definitely was. And I do want to go back to one of the points you brought up a little bit earlier, Thomas, was, you know, when it comes to not understanding what's out in, in our great country as far as, you know, different areas of the country and what to experience in those, and, and it's not just the younger generation, uh, the... The second student I ever trained in 2007, when I picked him up in Dayton, Ohio, one of the things that I always ask a student to do, just kind of get a bearing on where they were on map reading, was plot me a course from Columbus, Ohio to Phoenix, Arizona. It's That's not a hard route to figure out. And he couldn't find Arizona on a map. He was 55 years old. So, and yeah, the younger generation is definitely at risk because I don't think there's too much geography being taught in school in high schools and, um, you know, uh, middle schools and stuff like that, where I know when we went to school, shoot, we were given maps and taught how to read them. Um, and I just don't think that that is a skill that's necessarily, um, put forward to students much anymore, but it, it does go a lot deeper than, just the younger generation it, you know, one more real quick story. I took somebody to those mountains from Wisconsin years and years ago uh, as a student. And I, I let him after spending two days running in the mountains with him. Um, 
I said, you know what, why don't you sit in the passenger seat? And in fact, it was the same stretch of road that, that this happened on going from Grand Junction to Denver. And I drove to let them experience what it was there, what was there. And, you know, a grown man having tears in his eyes because he'd never seen anything so beautiful. He had no idea that that stuff was out there and he was in his forties. So it's, I'm not surprised that this has happened and I won't be surprised if it happens again. Uh, I think it's, it's definitely something like you said, the not even in when I was working in logistics and trucking for training managers, you know, you would have to give them a crash course and teach them time zones, geography, and, you know, such things like if you need to hop on the interstate, you know, odd numbers can be versus even numbers on north to south or east to west. You know, these things really come in handy, but I, I got calls all the time. Oh, I'm going the wrong way. You know, you're north or southbound. Which way do you, did you plan your trip beforehand? Oh, no, I just plugged it in the GPS and then the GPS got confused. And, you know, I think there's such a great point as well with all of this growth and you know, we've got Rand McNally, we've got these mapping services. There's so many new distribution centers being built that half the time these folks are delivering to places that aren't even being covered on the trucking GPSs. So they have to resort to other means of finding the location. Yeah, the when I had students on the truck, I wouldn't let them use a GPS. Um, you know, if they used it after they got off the truck, that was fine. And, and I think that that might be somewhat of a disservice that trainers and companies are doing now is allowing that to be part one is showing them how to input things in the GPS. But you know, the problem there is a GPS will take you to to a place. It's going to take you to a front door. I'd like to ask how many people are listening have ever delivered to a front door. It's very rare, you know, and it could have been a situation you needed to turn two blocks ago to get in behind that building where you needed to be. Um, and, they don't know these things. I had, I offered students index cards to write down very specific uh, things about where we would deliver. Uh, you know, maybe, okay, we got to turn at the Burger King two blocks before we get to it, or you go past the front door and then come in the other direction. And, you know, you got to watch this or that, but it was great for them. The next time they, they were going back there, you know, they had these, these recipe boxes with index cards in them that were all, alphabetized to pull that information out and, you know, jog their memory. And after a couple of times, they probably didn't need it anymore, but at least they had it. And, you know, it's stuff that a GPS will never, ever tell you. Um, you know, Google maps is a great thing. Don't ever use their direct, don't ever use their highway directions. You'll end up under a bridge somewhere, but to look down on a facility and say, Oh, and say, wow, okay. I got a, I got to go past it or I got to come in this way because if I come in the other direction, I'll be looking at the dock and that's not going to work. And that's really true with like retail deliveries, um, you know, where the docks are, you've got a narrow road behind the building and the the docks are angled. And boy, if you don't come in the right way, you could be in a a whole lot of trouble. So I I think that the situation for this guy um, is, is a horrible situation, but there is a lot of responsibility that he needs to bear for what's happened. And I don't know how I'd feel if I, you know, killed four people. I know how I felt when in 1996, I hurt two people by rolling a truck over and I can't, luckily they survived, but I don't ever want to 
put that on anybody. Um, but that's kind of why it's so important to understand the ramifications of your actions and, and understand there's ways to prepare for this if you know it's coming. And, and I think that's the whole thing is what is the penalty for ignorance? Because he was ignorant about what he was getting into. He just didn't know. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, those, all it takes is a mistake. And especially with, you know, 45,000 pounds with a load, 80,000 pounds gross. I mean, you're, it, it just has bigger ramifications. All it takes is a slip up, uh, not paying attention, not taking uh, a specific route. If you know, you know, there's two ramps and you fail to do that and you plow into some vehicles. I mean, uh, unfortunately, we have all this technology and automation, but we cannot automate Newton's law. You know, energy will be transferred. And unfortunately, 80,000 pounds of energy got transferred into a 28-car pileup, and it had, you know, life-altering consequences. And it's extremely tragic, and I think I'm really glad we had John to talk about this because I don't think your, your average viewer doesn't understand just not only how stressful it is to drive a truck, but just the lifestyle and how perilous, you know, we have a very beautiful country, but when you see an 80 mile per hour wind notice on the middle of like Wyoming, you don't really think about it. it, it just how much danger there's inherently on a good day. Yeah, well, you know, we saw it today. Um, you guys sent out a, an article earlier that I-80 is closed from Evanston to Cheyenne. I mean, that is the entire state um, due to wrecks and, and stuff like that. You put somebody out there in those types of conditions that you know, don't know. It's bad enough you've got the mountains, but now let's throw on wind, let's throw on chain laws, let's throw on all these other things. And that would definitely be a reason for someone to leave the industry, for sure. Completely agree. Um, I, I really appreciate you coming on. We'll definitely be reaching out again soon. Uh, if you want to be able to reach out to Brian, you can holler at Reliance Partners, www.reliancepartners.com or message him on LinkedIn. Brian, thanks again for coming. I'm, I'm looking forward to talking to you again. I feel like there's a lot we can go through, especially now that it's winter. It's going to get a little bit crazier before it gets better. It definitely does. It was always the most interesting time for me. Um, I spent a lot of time in the mountains and a lot of time in the snow. So um, I, I look forward to the next time we talk. Thanks, Thomas. Thank you, sir. Thank you for your time. And um, we're, we're going to wrap things up over here. Keep an eye out for the next newsletter as well coming in tomorrow. We'll be talking about predictions into 2022. And if you would like to subscribe to Loaded and Rolling, check out FreightWaves.com dash Loaded and Rolling or just Google FreightWaves Loaded and Rolling and just check it out from there. Really, really excited. Thank you, everybody, for, for checking this out. Um, it was an amazing time with Brian as well. I think that, you know, especially wrapping things up, there's just... People don't really know what it's like to drive. And the more we understand what, it, what these folks are going through, the more we understand what drivers are going through, I think we can build you know, better partnerships and just more safety, just have, a, uh, have just a safer environment in general. So that'll be everything for today for Loaded and Rolling. Thank you all for joining us. This is Thomas Wasson, over and out.